This is the Life Changing Conversations podcast. Thought provoking, pioneering, provocative, challenging, and intriguing. And that's just Neil Shah. Neil delves into the lives of his eclectic mix of guests. With his probing, curious approach, Neil explores what these ordinary people with extraordinary stories are all about, discovering what motivates them, how experiences have shaped them, leading them to change the course of their lives. Join us in the conversation. Like, comment, share, and tell us what you think on our LCC Facebook page and here on iTunes. Hi, I'm Neil Shah, and you're listening to Life Changing Conversations. This podcast is sponsored by Change Your World Events, an incredible organization whose aim is to create a ripple effect of positive change for individuals, organizations, and the environment. Please do check them out at changeyourworld.me. And that's exactly what we want to do today inspire you to change your world and your life with the life-changing conversations I'm about to have with our very special guest, Danielle North. Now, if you're rushing about or currently thinking about a million other things on your to-do list, uh, whilst, whilst half listening to me, this is on in the background, maybe you're working on that report, writing that email, I'm going to invite you to stop. Stop whatever you're doing. Turn off the keyboard. Put down that mouse. And just give yourself a moment. Did that silence disturb you? Did it feel uncomfortable? Just check in with yourself. It's not often we find or create a moment of silence in our busy lives. And silence can be disconcerting, can be scary. So again, I'm inviting you to stop, be present, be here. Stop whatever it is you're doing and take a pause with us. And if you're feeling annoyed or resistance and find yourself rolling your eyes and tutting at your speakers or your headphone muttering, I don't have the time, then you definitely need this podcast. And I really encourage you to listen to our wonderful guest. So just reflect for a minute on how busy your life is. Do you remember a slower time, a time where there was space to breathe maybe to enjoy your life more than when you're wrapped up in that hamster wheel we currently find ourselves in? What are your days like right now? Do you spend most of your days moving from one task to the next, getting stuff done only to be ready, already writing the next to-do list, already thinking about what you need to do after you finish the task you're currently on? Feels pretty relentless, doesn't it? And it can also feel impossible to stop. Like somehow, somehow, if you slow down, everything will fall apart. And I know this firsthand. I'm going on holiday tomorrow and it feels like I've still got a million and one things to do and I'm never going to get it done and I'm feeling that pressure and I'm feeling that way. Does any of this sound, sound familiar? Like I said, it certainly does sound like that to me. And this is also the experience of our guest today. So Danielle North is an executive coach, author of, of Pause and founder of Pause Global Retreats. Danielle, welcome to Life Changing Conversations. There's so much that I want to discuss with you. We've got such similar stories. And, you know, having heard your story and had the chance to get to know you, I feel that we've both had an almighty emotional and physical crash that eventually inspired us to do what we do today. So I already feel like we're kindred spirits in that respect. 
Well, let's start with a summary of the work you do and what Pause Ethos is all about. So do you want to start by telling us, you know, who is Danielle North? What are you all about? <laughs> Hi, Neil. It's so great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. It was fascinating just to take that moment of stillness there. And I'd be you know, really interested to hear what people's experiences were from that. And my own experience was this relief, you know, that there, there was a, a, a just a drop in my body where I could stop and and one of the things I love about pause is that it can just be a moment where we pause. And I'll, I'll talk more a bit about that a bit later on. Um, what is the, the, the pause ethos? Um, essentially, we, you know, we think that if you're going to perform in a world that's speeding up, sometimes you need to slow down. Um, so it, it's really as simple as that for us. And, and who am I? Um, well, I've been um, working with people in various capacities for... Uh, about 20 years or so now from um, executive coach to corporate consultant to psychotherapist um, and uh, all the way through the journey um, what I've been really focused on is transformation and that's transformation of myself and transformation of those who um, who care to come along and, and have that experience in their own lives so um, yeah my my um you know, my, my, my work and I are completely symbiotic and, uh, uh, and, and I, really, I really value that in my experience of life, actually, that, that I am my work, my work is me and we're kind of like this symbiotic experience. So you found your ikigai, where your very reason for being, where purpose, passion and profession all come together and your, 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 what you do on a daily basis is a true expression of the truth of Danielle. Yeah, and I didn't realise that that wasn't normal for everybody. So it took me a while to realise that um, actually, although there have been other challenges in my life and other things haven't necessarily run smoothly, this part of my um, dharma this time, you know, that that just really sits nice and smoothly for me. So, yeah, it, there's sort of been no doubt for me that I'm here um, to support other people through my own transformation and through my own growth and development. So um, having that path in and having it really clear um, has been a blessing for me. Daniel, tell me more about that. So what is your ikigai? What is your reason for being? Why are you here? <laughs> well, that um, that's quite a, a deep answer, but, you know, here we are, so I'll, I'll just plunge in. Um, so I'm here to help people leave quietly. Um, so essentially, you know, my, my um, place is, is to support people through their lives in order that they can die peacefully. Um, so I, I believe the more you can reconcile and um, feel healed in your experience of your day-to-day -day living and through your, your, your life, then the more peaceful your transition through your death will be. So, um, yeah, I said it was going to be a deep answer. So, yeah, uh, is that for people that, you know, are navigating an end-of-life experience? <laughs> no, I do that with people throughout their, um, their, their current life. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't work at end of life at the moment, and maybe that will change in the future, but not not currently. The reason I ask is for for many people, the thought of death can be quite a morbid one, and preparing for that transition is not something that crosses most people's paths until they're given a terminal diagnosis. Um, so that, I find that fascinating that, that that you're preparing people for something that they don't even 
register or recognize is something they should be you'd be focused on i don't advertise it neil <laughs> <laughs> you asked me what my uh, you know, what my reason for being was so that is my reason for being but you know I, I have that for me you know that that's what i understand as my reason for being and then you know part of you know the, the work that i do is really helping people reconcile in the here and now and the more peacefully we can live in a world that doesn't feel very peaceful the better and um you know over time that will benefit people when it comes to um the ultimate transition and so with that in mind what is it that you are helping people to actually do hmm. well um essentially helping people to um return to themselves through the process of slowing down so what I find um, happens a lot when life's so busy um, people get kind of split off in all sorts of different directions so I was talking to somebody yesterday he was saying to me you know, it's like my bits of my soul are fragmented and they've gone off in, in into different different places I can't feel like I'm all of me now it depends on what you believe as to whether you believe that but my experience is even on the simplest level people can often be split from the neck up you know so we've got our body and our and our and our our minds and we're operating from the mind and we're not actually experiencing and feeling um, the physicality um, of our body or the emotions within our body so that's a split that I think people would probably be more um, comfortable to recognize so essentially what I do is through the slowing down process um, is help people to gather back the different parts of themselves in order that they can feel more whole, they can feel more peaceful, they can um, you know, operate at their full potential in, in their day-to-day -day experience of living, relating, working, whatever it is that's important for them. Um, and we do that through coaching, through retreats, through online content, um, through books. So there's lots of different forms that that, um, that, that takes place. And as I understand, obviously, you, you encapsulate this as what, what you would describe as your kind of pause approach. Yes. Would that be correct? Yeah. And, and, you know, talk to me a little bit about what it actually means to pause. What does that look like? What does it feel like? You know, as a society and a culture, particularly here in the West, we've completely forgotten how to relax, to switch off, to disconnect, to take a break, mm. to just be, because we're so busy doing and I'd be really interested to hear, number one, your, your take on the culture we live in that's forcing you to do more, to consume more, to work harder, and, and how kind of your, your whole approach to pause can, can be either the antidote or the antithesis of, of kind of the, the, the culture we find ourselves living in, and, and how practically that, that you bring that to life. Mm, yeah, okay. Um, so the culture, if we start with that, uh, it, it is a fascinating time that we find ourselves in because everything's speeding up. And as you talked about, you know, it's, it, it, let's not even put the global pandemic into this right now. But, you know, the, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we have been very consumerist, we've been very materialistic and, you know, and we've thought actually and we've been taught that if we follow a particular tra trajectory, say that word trajectory and um, that we would be able to go from a to b to c to d and that would get us to the end and you know that that would be a, a you know a simple route to happiness in life and i think what, in our culture what we have lost sight of um is that, that it's it's often the very very simple things that make us happy it's often the smallest things that we need to really 
um, you know, bring us joy. And so we've made life extraordinarily complex. And, you know, you, you quite often hear people who've traveled to, um, you know, perhaps developing countries. And one of the things they'll often say is people look so happy, but they don't have very much. And there seems to be this correlation between, well, how can happiness come if you don't have so much? And we've just forgotten that, that there is a very simple way to live and we've we've moved away from that simplicity into deep complexity and um and human beings have a propensity to make life extraordinarily complex so pause as an antidote is really about how can you start to simplify um so we actually often um teach very simple things um, and one of the simple things we teach is breathing so you know when you say what does a pause look like it can look like many things but in its simplest form it's a breath it's a breath that connects the body back to um, the mind so that 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 union between um, the two parts that I was referring to earlier gets reconnected through the breath so pause can be as simple as what you did at the beginning of this conversation, which is to breathe. Um, and then it can go through into um, what we talk about as micro-pauses, so very simple things that people can do on a day-to-day -day basis where they can weave pause into everyday life. So an example of a micro-pause would be something like creating white space. Um, so we invite people to create some white space, usually... We talk about this for weekends to start with, create a bit of white space in your weekends. And, and people say, well, what is white space? <laughs> and, and I say, well, it's space with nothing in it. And they say, what do you mean? It's got nothing in it. And I say, well, it's got no cooking. It's got no driving. It's got no reading. It's got no writing. It's, it's got no social media. It's not got any yoga in it. It's space that's empty. <laughs> And they still look at me like I'm completely crazy. And, and they're like, well, what do I do? And they're like, well, you do nothing. <laughs> See what happens. And so that would be an example of a micro pause is just creating white space. Because um, you know, one of the things I learned personally is that when we create space, it can allow life to come in. And our lives are so jammed. They're so full that there isn't really any space for any greater influences or, or other forces to come in and meet us. That's interesting because, you know, according to the laws of physics, nature abhors a vacuum. So if there is a, a, a vacuous space, will nature it. will find a way to fill That's it. That's correct. And ultimately, if we've constantly got our space filled, there is no opportunity for something naturally and organically to come through, whether that be... You, you know, a spontaneous experience or a moment with your children or that new relationship that you've been searching for or, you know, to find that moment of inspiration or whatever it might be. Um, and I, I think we're so busy doing that we never really give ourselves a chance to be. And particularly with the work that we do, you know, with working with corporate clients, we've got a chronically stressed society, we've got mental health issues that are affecting more people than, than the pandemic that we are in a state of panic and fear about. Uh, we've got suicide again, which is killing more people than, than, than COVID ever has and mm. potentially ever will. Yet, we don't really even talk, talk about our focus on these issues. And I, I tend to find that uh, whether that be mainstream media or social media is so busy selling you a story and a narrative that puts you into fear, that puts you into a state of anxiety, uh, uh, anxiety 
Um, we, we're, we're constantly reminded of how volatile and uncertain and complex and ambiguous the world is. A lot of people are finding themselves in this constant state of heightened anxiety and stress. We've got so accustomed to it, it's become normal. And I guess the, the, the analogy I often use, it's kind of like if I came along uh, to, to, to see you, Danielle, and I gave you a cup of coffee, and at the same time I stabbed you in the leg with a rusty nail. It's not a nice thing to do. The coffee was nice, or the cup of tea was nice, but obviously putting the rusty nail in your leg is not a pleasant thing to do. However, if you leave that rusty nail in there for long enough, after a while you forget it's there. Because, and as much as it's painful and uncomfortable doing you damage, eventually you can't get accustomed to being uncomfortable mm. and you get accustomed to the pain doesn't mean the pain is right or healthy and i think as a society we've got so accustomed to living with anxiety with fear with stress with all of the things that are not serving us mentally physically emotionally and because we become so desensitized we're not even actually taking action to do anything about it then all of a sudden, you know, a virus comes along and we're putting all our eggs into that basket and we're taking real action around that because it's new. But the things that have been affecting our society for such a long time, probably for the last 20 or 30 years, they've been a real significant issue and we just become accustomed to it. So it's really hard to find balance in a world um, that isn't balanced, but nature actually always wants to be in balance. So, so nature is always striving to be in balance, but um, human beings at the moment are very out of balance. And I think your point is well made that we're not even um, sensitised anymore to be aware of this imbalance. So I think we have really forgotten what it feels like to be fully healthy. Um, and, and we experience perhaps what I term uh, low-grade symptoms. I don't actually think they are low-grade symptoms, but we might experience low-grade symptoms like headaches or um, uh, palpitations or aches and pains in our body or difficulty sleeping. All of these are significant signs that you know, I certainly became aware of when I burnt out a few years ago, eventually chose to listen to them, but it took a long time to listen to them. Um, and it was such a big wake-up call for me. And I think... You know, we're often um, unaware of what it really does feel like to be vital, healthy and, you know, at, at, our, at our best um, as human beings. And I, I'd like to explore that, if I may, that, that your, your, your burnout, your breakdown experience. And I know that it's, it's not a, a sort of a typical story that, as I understand it, you, you know, you're having a ball, living a fantastic life in Singapore, working on an exciting projects, mm -hmm. traveling the world, partying hard, really kind of enjoying you know, living life in the fast lane. Um, and I can relate to that because it's very similar to my own story. Um, and it's not the typical story of adversity and challenge that we often hear from our guests uh, that, that, that come on here, that they had like this really tough path that led them to that kind of breakthrough, breakdown moment. Yours was more in line with my experience where it was more Wolf for Wall Street, really. Um, and, you, you know, you, you're having this life which a lot of people would, would love to have, would aspire to have. Um, but then what led to you having kind of that what I would describe as the breakthrough experience that, that forced you to have to pause and re reassess. Yeah. 
Well, you're right. I mean, I was having an amazing time. I, I was really loving my life and, and um, you know, not just the partying aspects, although I definitely um, uh, did that to the max. One of my friends said to me once, Danielle, I've been out 52 weekends in a row. And I said, wow, how did you manage that? She said, well, you were with me every one of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, we definitely had fun. And But for me, it was also that there was a big vision, a big mission, and I was really engaged in that. You know, I was definitely on a crusade to yeah I feel a bit cringy but I was definitely on a crusade to try and save the world at that point and I had a mission and I was really um going for it and um you know I think there there were you know people say when was the defining moment when you when you had that kind of breakthrough but actually for me it was a sequence of events so there was a number of years of pushing my limits far beyond you know what was reasonable so and I talk about the fact that I worked from six till three but that was six a.m till three a.m and I would travel to a different country every week so I would be in China and, and Vietnam and Philippines and Malaysia I would just be constantly moving from um, country to country so always in the air basically never at home I walked into my flat after a year and went oh I actually live here don't I <laughs> you know so um, my feet didn't really touch the ground and um, and and yeah, it was fun and it was fast and it was fabulous and I really you know really enjoyed it for a number of years. Um, I think the first moment um, that something became apparent that, that it wasn't okay was when I couldn't get out of bed one day. So I had to deliver a, 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 a program. It was a program for folks who'd flown in from all of the, over the world. It was a five day delivery. I was on day two and I couldn't get out of bed and. Um, and, and that would have been a warning sign for most people. <laughs> but for me, that was just like, oh, that's an inconvenience. How am I going to you know, run, get that workshop delivered? And how do I keep running the business? So if somebody else went to run the workshop and I got my laptop and brought to my bed and carried on working. So, you know, it wasn't really the defining moment. It was a defining moment, but I was in denial and completely oblivious to the fact that that was a defining moment. So I think then the next defining moment came maybe a month later when I was starting to think about taking a holiday and I realised that I couldn't actually travel to any of the places that I wanted to travel. Bearing in mind for the last three years, I, I had been going through Changi Airport every single week for three years. Um, so that was probably more of a wake-up call for me, that I suddenly couldn't face going to a macrobiotic retreat in Canada or going to, you know, an organic farm in the Canary Islands. Or, you know, I, I just didn't have the energy, didn't have anything left in the tank to get on a plane. So that was a moment when I thought something's not right. Um, and then I think... The, the sort of subsequent moment really was when I finally managed to get to Cornwall and to take a week's holiday. And after that first week, I realised I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't leave the farm. I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't go anywhere. And and it wasn't so much a defining moment at that point, but that became a defining moment that turned into a three-month retreat. So complete isolation for three months with no contact with the outside world, uh, no mobile phone, no telephone, no email, no internet, no friends, no family, complete retreat, um, just contact with a therapist and a nutritionist once a week. 
Um, and otherwise, I, I went into, yeah, into a big three-month journey of exploration and discovery of myself. But it wasn't planned. <laughs> it certainly wasn't on my plan. Um, and I think that's one of the things I love about pause is that, um, not that you have to go to those extremes. I had a very extreme lifestyle. I needed an extreme recovery. But, um, you know, that with pause, what I say to people is you can expect the unexpected. And if we leave that space that you were talking about and, we, you know, we create this void in this vacuum, then you're right. Nature will and life will rush in and fill it. And that's what I discovered in those three months was, you know, that, that I could expect the unexpected and that, if you leave space in that nothing, something happens. For people that are listening that may be concerned that, you know, things aren't, aren't working out in the way they would like them to, um, they may be experiencing the effects of uh, the, 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 the impact of current circumstances, mentally, physically, emotionally. Just really want to spend a bit of time talking about what, what should we be looking out for? Because, my perspective is that long before we we kind of get to the point of the body shutting down, the body will be communicating with us. And mm. often it starts with a little whisper. Danielle, Danielle, take some time out, have some rest. And when it's a whisper, because there's so many barking, screaming dogs in our life that we tend not to hear that little voice that's like, what about me? Look after me. Mm-hmm. And then the voice gets a bit louder and it's like, Neil, Danielle, pay attention. Pay attention. You need some rest. You need to take some time out. You need to look after yourself. You need to sleep well, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's, the voice is getting louder, conversational, maybe even raised voice a little bit. But again, there's so many other voices competing for your attention. We still don't pick it up. And then finally, Neil, Danielle, pay attention. Sorry to scream, but sadly, it's only at that point that most people actually even bother to listen. Mm. And just hearing your story reminded me very much of my own until it wasn't just a screaming voice. It was a screaming voice with a baseball bat Mm. that screamed and swung the baseball bat several times until I was on my hands and knees wondering how I was going to get myself back up again. How can we pick it up early enough? that it doesn't have us on our hands and knees completely debilitated by, you know, the effects. So, you know, how, how can we get better at picking up at, at best whisper or at, at the very least when it's at conversational tone? Yeah, it's such a great uh, question, Neil, because um, you know, what, what happened to myself and, and to you, I would describe as an enforced pause. So it's where life has to intervene and say, okay, you're not listening, then you know, I'm, I'm going to make an intervention. Now, sometimes life intervenes anyway, whether we've been, you know, when we have been listening, it still has you know, things that it, it requires us to do. But I think the more we ignore the signals, the louder life has to get and, um, uh, and eventually then it makes itself very known. So that enforced pause, um, I actually, I don't necessarily talk to people about how do you avoid that? Because I think for some people that's the path and for some people they've got to go through that as part of their transformation. But if you're thinking, oh, that doesn't sound like much fun and I don't want an enforced pause and I totally can understand, you know, that's not everybody's path. 
Um, then I, I think there are some simple things that we can do to um, you know, really start to avoid going down the enforced pause route. So things like um, paying attention to any physical um, symptoms in your body, that was definitely something I ignored. You know, I was ignoring the kind of sharp pains in my joints thinking oh you know I've crossed over into my 30s this is normal now you know and um, so I was ignoring some of the physical signs so um, I think the first thing is to really pay attention to your body and any physical signs that you're experiencing and um, pay attention to your sleep so if you're finding that your sleep is becoming very disturbed or you know you're finding it hard to go to sleep or you wake up and you're not um feeling energized and zesty then it, it's likely that you know that's some, some early warning signs for you so um and I'm aware with the the global pandemic you know people haven't necessarily taken their full holiday allocations this year um or you know haven't felt that it's been easy to step away from work when they've been working from home and so they haven't necessarily had those kind of chunks of time away um, so you know listening to your sleep patterns and just checking you know how am I doing with my sleep I think it's an indicator of actually do you need to take a break do you need to have a pause is there something that would um, support you right now um, and then I always want to be mindful of you know how tired do you feel when you're awake in your in your day how much energy do you feel like you have in the tank so you know I, I just you know, I, I was pushing the candle at both ends, um, but eventually there was no energy left in the tank. So, you know, how do watching and, and being aware of your energy levels um, throughout the day is really important. Um, also, just I think learning how to engage with and trust your intuition is another way of being able to um, prevent the enforced pause. What I have noticed over, you know two decades of coaching people is that people will dismiss their intuition because they don't feel like it has um, evidence um, you know that, that you can't definitively say that your intuition is true I, I would actually disagree with that but that's sort of how the mind um, operates so learning to listen not just to the whispers that you're getting from life but to your own inner whispers that are, are speaking to you and communicating to you that you might not totally understand what they are or why they're there. Random memories, for instance, are often not random. Being able to um, sense things, to be able to um, just have this, this feeling. People talk about, oh, you know, I had this kind of gut feeling. Um, being able to trust those whispers that come in, I think they're very important to keep us on track and away from those enforced pauses but you know that's what I wrote pause for the the, the book is um, essentially like a coaching retreat that guides people through how to um, pause before life does it for you so if if people are wondering how to do this there's a whole book on it basically we will get to that yeah uh, and I just really want to get under the skin of how your burnout impacted you um you know it, how did it impact your world uh, I, I assume it meant that you know many aspects of your life changed what was the effect on job career relationship finances mm. uh, and i'm assuming that you, you know when we're having those kind of experiences that your 
trying to prevent it from affecting areas of your life. But in the end, it, it, it can kind of, you, you know, force you to evaluate all areas of your life. So what, so what was the impact to you, you know, in, in all those different aspects of your life, job, relationships, finances, etc.? Mm, I mean, it was a complete reevaluation of every area of my life. I think that was what was so powerful about it. And at the time, um, the, the kind of practical impact was that, um, you know, I took those three months off. I was fortunate enough to be paid during that time. So financially, it didn't affect me. Um, but but it meant eventually I couldn't return to the job that I was doing because I learned I needed a different set of conditions to be healthy and the company I worked with weren't prepared to meet those conditions. So we had to part part way. So you know, that was quite um that was quite a heartbreak actually because you know I, I I and still do believe in the vision that they have and you know and, and the work that they do. And so to walk away from something I've been building for a number of years was was really tough. And and also to do that when you're living in a, a foreign country where you went for your work was quite um you know it was quite a big shock. So um it meant that I started my own business and Pause was born through that experience. So that was tremendous. Um, and eventually it meant that I left Singapore, relocated back to the UK. Um, I did start a relationship during that time. That didn't, um, that didn't have longevity. But I think at the time that was also, you know, just me allowing myself to be more vulnerable, whereas I think I had been, you know, pretty... Um, you know, shored up and quite tough to be able to cope with the experiences that I'd had. So I think it allowed me to soften in um, into relationship. Um, you know, and, and starting your own business financially is is always um, a bit of an impact. So um, I didn't, I don't ever think I felt very wealthy ever since, to be honest, because it all gets ploughed back into the business. But um, yeah, it, it, but what it did do, I think, was dramatically. Um, improve the quality of my life um, I, I would say the one thing I miss is is that social time with my friends I had in Singapore you know we really did have a lot of fun and we traveled and enjoyed ourselves um, but what it did was led me onto a path that um, was quite different in terms of my own growth and my spirituality and my personal development um, so yeah it, it's completely over how long ago was it eight years ago now it's completely and radically changed the direction of my life actually um yeah in, in many ways what did you need to do on a daily basis to heal yourself and to, to move beyond that mm. to start with focus on the fundamentals um and that's that's what i used to do um focus on sleeping and eating um, and that was it just used to focus on the fundamentals so yeah sleeping I slept more than I thought it would ever be possible for one human to sleep um and focused on nourishment so really the basic building blocks of you know how do you eat and sleep well um because I I realized that um to rebuild yourself you've got to start with some foundations and one of the things I, I had written in one of my diaries was put yourself at the center of your world and that was a massive shift for me because I had been somebody who had been you know, naturally giving out to other people for my entire career. And 
Um, and I realised that if I wanted to continue to work with people, if I wanted to continue supporting other people's journeys of transformation, then I, I had to be front and centre of my own world to do that. And so that was an absolutely radical change of perspective. And, and my boyfriend at the time saw that and he said, well, that's selfish, isn't it? And, uh, and I, I said, no, it's essential. <laughs> it's the only way I'm going to survive this game. It's the only way I'm going to survive this life is if I remember this mantra. Um, and that's fascinating to, to, to literally go from an experience where, you, you know, you're a socialite, you're traveling the world, you're partying 52 weeks in a year, you're top of your game, leading people, to essentially being a complete hermit, living in rural Cornwall, seeing no one other than your nutritionist and therapist. I know. And that, that, that's very much kind of, you, you know, that, that, that's polar opposite ends of the spectrum that must have been really tough I think the, the toughest part of it was letting go of of the work that I was doing um so the actual experience of the three months and that dramatic change I don't think I was conscious of it feeling tough and I might have been a bit numb to my my experience at the time but it felt a bit of a relief to be honest to mm to actually stop and to slow down and to breathe and to not have all of that responsibility and to, you know, just be in one place. I, I can remember being in Singapore and saying to a friend, I need to put my hands in the earth. It was like I'd been in the air and flying so much I'd lost contact with the ground and I just needed to put my hands in the earth. So being in Cornwall actually, which is where I'm from, was was important in that process of um coming home to myself and, and and reclaiming the different parts of myself I don't remember that feeling um difficult particularly it felt like um well partly because I didn't know it was going to be three months I had no idea of that I went for a week <laughs> so and each week I'd be like hmm I'm still not well enough to, to go out I'm still not well enough to do anything and and so I would you know send a message to my boss and say I need a month and then at the end of that month I wrote back and I said I think I need another month is that okay and they're like yeah okay at the end of that month I think I need another month and I was like whoa how long is that going to go on for but at the end of three months I um I, I felt like I could return to Singapore at that point um but later on I found myself you know sitting in a um essentially in a garden shed in Cornwall, looking out in the garden, thinking, well, how do you run an international coaching business from Cornwall? You know, it was it was quite a, a massive mindset shift for me. And, um, yeah, the quite extreme dances that I was doing at the time. And that's that's fascinating because, obviously, you come from this place of, of busyness. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got a life that's packed and filled. And having spent a fair amount of time in Cornwall, having a dear friend in Cornwall, What's the saying that they have in Cornwall? I'll do it direct directly. Directly, <laughs> which means, you know, if anything, it might get done in a few months. Yeah. It will never get done. Yeah. But again, it's a completely, I'm talking totally different pace of life. Mm. You, you know, that, that I think that the phrase directly kind of sums it up it for really me. Does. Whereas, you, you know, when, when, we, when we say we want something now, what we're saying is we wanted it yesterday or the day before. And they're just accustomed to, well, you know, if, if the postman says I bring a post around directly, you might get it in, in November. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, 
so where did we jump from this point where busyness became the modus operandi? Where, where does this come from? The societal expectations? Is it self-worth issues? Is it consumerism, commercialism? What is it that drives us and our psyches to do more, to be more, to want more? Is it avoidance? Is it... Um, is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is this the society we live in? Where, where does this sense of busyness come from? And, you, you know, why are they still relatively shielded from this in Cornwall? Uh, well, I think actually people in Cornwall would say that they've also had to speed up as well, but it's yeah. just a different version of speeding up without. Uh, um, I was there at the weekend and it was lovely actually to have that slower pace of life. But I think in my answer to this question, and there'll be different answers to the question because it's a very big question, and, and you asked about is it fear, is it avoidance, is it anxiety? I think those are um, results of what's happened. So I think we feel the fear and we feel the anxiety and we go into avoidance as a result of what is happening with the busyness. Why has that occurred? Uh, my simplest answer for this is that we lost connection with nature. So as a, a Western society, particularly, we lost connections to the, the natural rhythms of nature. So, you know, the cycles of day and night, the cycles of the seasons, connecting to the land. You know, when I said I wanted to put my hands in the earth, it's because I had been flying so much, I had disconnected from nature completely. I wasn't grounded. So I think that we, we, we've lost touch with nature and, and that's damaging because we are nature. So every time we harm nature, we harm ourselves. And that's where I think the anxiety and the fear and the avoidance come in, is that you know, we are a, a completely connected um, system and we have separated. You know, I talked at the beginning about the separation. We've separated from nature. Um, and I think the more that we can um, find our way back to engaging with, connecting to and being in nature, the better that will be for our, our well-being and our health. And, and pause is certainly, from a retreat point of view, you know, very much embedded in nature for that reason. And this is fascinating because obviously the modern world and whether that's as a result of modern religious institutions or kind of the way of life or whatever it might be, has kind of disconnected us from that but kind of the ancient more animistic pagan approach to life was much more in human nature it's, it's fascinating we're having this conversation today because today's the equinox that is you're right yes equinox. there are obviously certain parts of the world and even certain parts of the country that still have retained some level of connection maybe not to 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 the degree it used to to, to be in sort of uh, ancient cultures but I know that in particular in the West Country and, 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 and in certain parts of the country that they will still have a connection to sort of the, 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 the more animistic festivals like the Equinox uh, that, that will still be marked or celebrated. And just like to talk about that for a minute, why is it important, important for us to retain that connection uh, to nature in the way that indigenous cultures and uh, you know, animistic cultures were, would have celebrated and revered and how is that important to us in you know in 2020 mm. because, because the human body works, works with rhythms so it has its own natural rhythms it has its own natural circadian rhythms that are 
operating that keep the body, they're designed to keep the body in balance. So remember when I said earlier, it's hard to be in balance in a world that's out of balance. Our circadian rhythms are constantly trying to keep us in balance in the same way that nature is desperately trying to keep everything in balance. And so we're then connected with those rhythms or by those rhythms to nature. So, you know, day and night is a good example of that. I mentioned the seasons. We can look at the it's the cycles of the moon and how that affects the tide. You know, we're made up of 60 to 70% water. You know, the moon has this huge effect on the tides and we have our own inner tide that the moon also affects. And so, you know, we are connected, whether we remember this or, or we don't, we are directly connected and we are part of nature. So we're seeing increasing um, anxiety, not just in adults, but in children. We're seeing um, increased suicides and, um, you know, general difficulty in coping with life. So for all of those reasons, I think it's really, really essential that we can find ways to be able to slow down, to connect to our true nature and to connect to, you know, what we're a part of on a, on a bigger level. I just want to pick up on something you said, that, that the world is out of balance. Mm. And that's an interesting choice of words, and uh, I'm going to challenge that if I may, because the world has dealt with far worse than humanity, and potentially will deal with far worse than humanity. And I'm pretty confident that the world will find a way of healing itself after we're long gone. I agree. So the challenge is, ultimately, the path we're on is going to impact us more than anything else because the world has the capacity to recover very quickly. There will be consequences along the way. And I think while we are so busy navel-gazing and distracted either by what's two inches in front of us or these huge, broader issues, um, that we're kind of missing the point here that actually the, the, the ones that are being most hurt by this is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in terms of the effect to our lives, to our existence, and our ability to be able to, 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 to literally survive, uh, you know, whether that be literally or metaphorically speaking, um, that, that I think that for me is the biggest question that we, we have to answer today. It's like, you know, what is the quality of life we, we hope to achieve? And how do we do that from a place that, as you said, that we are living in harmony with our surroundings rather than consuming our, our our environment faster than it can replenish itself which ultimately is denying ourselves the quality of life that we all aspire to mm, yeah well so the, the the key difference is that nature is always trying to be in balance and mm. um, what i was saying is it's hard to be in balance when the world is so out of balance so uh, the, the the world being out of balance is what the human beings are creating nature is constantly trying to get back into balance like she's try, trying desperately you know to to, to uh, create equilibrium where you know we're we're destroying that at times um so and maybe by offering a uh a virus to bring itself back into ban- uh, into balance potentially. Yes, and that's the sure. theory. I'm not that. There's no science behind that. Before anybody writes into complaint, it, 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 it depends just... on what your view is on that, doesn't it? As to you know, and I think people, um, some people I've spoken to really see it that way, and other people see it in different ways. But um, you know, we we certainly can't ignore that this is a big intervention for for humankind at the moment, and and really, you know, like any 
big intervention, we each get to choose how we want to respond. And I think that's the, the important thing to remember when we're looking at balance and when we're looking at um, pausing. Pausing is really about being able to have the strength and confidence to live from your truth, to live from that place within you that feels completely clear and steady and strong on your path in the world in spite of what's going on in the outer world i think that's a really powerful point and you know we'll we'll come to talking about this later about the the the, the, the program the idea that we've put together to really engage people with the work that we're doing uh, which is we can't control what's happening outside of ourselves um you know we don't know what's going to happen next we don't know what situations or experiences are going to occur, what decisions government's going to make, how this particular situation we find ourselves in is going to play out. So we may not have control over situations or circumstances outside of ourselves, but what we have absolute control over is how we choose to react and respond to that, um, how we choose to, to, to feel about what's going on outside of ourselves. And, and I think for me, the word power is the way to really sum this up. If you look up the word power in the dictionary, when applied to a human being, it quite literally means the ability to do or act. Mm. I used to have this misguided belief that power meant something like strength, control, influence. It doesn't mean any of these things. The person with the greatest power has the greatest ability to do or act. Mm. So to empower is to give ourselves or each other the ability to do or act. The definition of a victim is someone that is powerless. Now, I'm not in any way saying this to upset or irritate anybody, but just as I said, I'm going to encourage everybody to, 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 to literally go to the dictionary and look this up for yourself. These are words that we use every single day, but most of us don't really have a clear understanding of, of what it actually truly means. And the best thing that we can do in the face of adversity and uh, uncertainty and volatility and ambiguity is to look at how do we empower ourselves? How do we give ourselves the ability to do or act in a way that serves us, that allows us to navigate, that allows us to increase our resilience so we're better equipped to cope with whatever life or the universe throws at us? And I think that's where a lot of people feel really powerless. They feel mm. like they, they, they are victims to the circumstances. And and again, this is my opinion. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but in my belief, both are a choice. We can choose to be empowered or we can choose to be a victim. And no matter how tough and challenging things get, there's always a choice of something we can do. Mm. It's as simple as bringing yourself back to that moment and creating that silence, that pause, that moment to breathe and to be able to then consider what you can do from a place of no judgment. I think that that for me is is one of the most powerful things that we can do. And having had some of those experiences myself, I know that, that that's really allowed me to see things differently and to understand how I can navigate the challenges I'm facing. So I'd be interested to explore what are your thoughts on that before we get to sort of the, the you know, the, the, the idea of the program we put together. So what are your thoughts on this? The, you know, firstly, the resistance that we're going to face, you know, when, when, when that moment comes up where we have the ability to stop and pause and there's going to be that resistance, the screaming voice in your head that telling you, no, what are you doing? Get on with this, do that, be this, go and do this, go and, you know, get involved with this. And it can feel painful and uncomfortable and scary. Uh, so I'd just be really interested in, in, in your perspective on that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things that you've said there that I'd like to respond to. I think the first thing is that 
I can understand why people would feel powerless. I think that um, you know the the particularly if we look at the context of the global pandemic at the moment, I think there's a lot of confusion, and I think that it's um, you know highlighting to us what has always been true actually that that we're not in control, but we've liked to think that we're in control. Um, And it's really showing us that life is very, very, very unpredictable um, and that we're not really in control of it. And that's a hard thing for our egos and our minds to, to get used to, is the fact that we're not in control. But not being in control is not the same as being powerless. Um, so yeah. to be able to follow the path, knowing that we're not in control, but maintaining our own position of power within ourselves. So being able to come back to our um, safe place inside, to come back to our you know place where we can um, make choices, where we can respond in a way that feels best and right to us, I think is really vital when we're faced with the reality that we're not in control and we never were in control. So actually, from that point of view, although it's a bit bonkers out and nothing's actually changed, you know, we were never in control anyway. It's just we're, we're, we're having the realisation that we're not in control. Um, then, you know, I think what's going on at the moment is is frightening as well. So, you know, to be able to work through fear um, is, is going to be um, an asset to people, for people to really learn how to work through fear. Because in my experience of coaching people, what people generally want to do with fear, because it can, it, 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 it can take over, you know, anxiety can take over, fear can take over. And it's like it creates, for my experiences, it creates this brittleness in the body where you feel like you could break at any point, you know, that the the fear takes over. Um, And what happens, I think, is people want to box that fear up somewhere, you know, where they can bury it um, deep, deep, deep underground and pretend it's not there. I've never found that that's worked personally. So being able to um, have quite a a, a particular approach with fear, which is that rather than um, put it in the box and push it away, how can you befriend fear? So how can you begin to dialogue with fear? How can you begin to get to know fear, understand fear and relate to fear so that you can move through it rather than try and box it and put it away? And I think these times demand us to be able to work through fear because there is a lot of fear in the system and it's being deliberately kind of poured in you know for us to feel more and more and more frightened and if you want to be able to stay true on your path at the moment working through fear is is an essential part of that in my opinion um and then there's resistance <laughs> i love the topic of resistance you know um, your old friend resistance yes absolutely and uh, and i get it you know as somebody who just in complete denial of my circumstances for quite um a, a long time you know i understand the, the the strength of resistance um and you know when i think about pausing these days I often say to people the more resistance you feel the more likely it's time um so you know your opening was so perfect for that if 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 you're really feeling resistance you really need to listen because you know it's that resistance that's the signal to us that is something there's something that we need to attend to and um I'm, I'm really for me 
what I've learned with resistance is that you you kind of have to melt it. You have to melt resistance with an open heart. Um, and the more that you can melt resistance, um, the less of a grip that it holds on us. Um, so, yeah, rather than um, listening to the mind, um, see if you can kind of move through the experiences that you're having. And I think that really helps. And I, I guess having faced my fair share of resistance, I should probably face some of that today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, going away tomorrow and feeling that guilt that, oh my God, there's these things that need to get done. You know, who am I to be thinking about going on a holiday in the midst of all these kind of challenges? And I've started to recognize resistance as something that does have a positive intention behind it. It's trying to keep you safe. It's trying to keep you in the what, what it's recognized to be the comfort zone. And it goes back to that rusty nail in the leg. <laughs> Even though it's not serving you, you've got so used to it, trying to take it out it will lead to that resistance. No, what are you doing? Don't take it out. It's supposed to be there. <laughs> Being able to engage that with dialogue, as you were saying, I think it's really powerful. And my way of being able to navigate that is to say, well, look, you know what, thank you for trying to keep me safe, but you know what, I've got this, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. So you've done your job, now you can check out because I'm, I, I know how to handle this. And I think that often when we face that resistance, the natural reaction is to listen and to succumb rather than engaging it in a meaningful way and understand that even though it may be holding you back, there is a positive intention behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, that resistance is, is doing its best to keep you safe and prevent you from doing something that it may believe will lead to pain or discomfort. So that's where you may be in a toxic relationship and there's part of you that's saying that, you know, I must leave, but the, the resistance is, no, 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 you'll be by yourself, you're going to be all alone. And that's where I think that a lot of people end up stuck in situations that serve them because the resistance is preventing them from moving forward. Mm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be different for for different people based on what their experience of resistance is. Um, I I like to think that any of these experiences that we're having is communication. So you talked earlier on about, you know, those whispers. And and I think things like um, our emotional experience, things like resistance, they're all communication from ourselves to ourselves. And the more that we can pay attention to and listen to these communications, I think the better it can be for ourselves. But what I notice happens for people is they tend to hold a pathological position. So they would they would notice the resistance and, and label that as a bad thing. Well, I shouldn't be resisting. So I had a lovely conversation with somebody who's just been through a, a very big transformation who um, is, is getting ready to shift careers after, you know, three decades in, in one job and, and, and was telling me that, that they were digging in the garden and planting, planting seeds and saying, well, you know, I, I, I should be at my computer. I'm press, procrastinating. I should be, you know, <laughs> applying for jobs and getting things done and, and I said, but, but you're planting seeds. That seems to be the right thing to do right now. And so, you know, we can be very judgmental of um, our experiences. And I think the, the the kinder and more compassionate we can be to things like resistance and to fear, you know, the, the gentler we can be with ourselves, not to be passive and let ourselves off the hook and say, you know, well, that, that means that, you know, I get to do my, you know, another week-long binge on Netflix. And I mean, 
you know if that's your thing that's your thing but um you know it's more about how can you be very kind toward yourself when you're having these big experiences like resistance and fear how can you be very gentle on yourself and 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 non-judgmental to 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 really listen to what's going on in your inner world and pay attention to the truth of that rather than to the the criticism that the mind might have we are amazing beings we are amazing beings we are a constant source of wonder and a constant source of communication to ourselves and 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 really we have everything we need Um, and I'm not talking materialistically although generally we have all of that as well but you know we have everything we need to be able to navigate our lives wise words and having spent plenty of time exploring my mental, physical, emotional, spiritual experience um, through many different modalities. I think the Vipassana comes to mind is when you stop for 10 days, sat on a mat from half four in the morning to nine o'clock at night, doing nothing other than observing your breath, you suddenly become so sensitive and so acutely aware of these hundreds, thousands, if not billions of different sensations, obviously you're not aware of all of them, but you suddenly become much more sensitive, much more aware of so many different things that are happening in your bodies, ripples of energy and kind of these sensations that are there the whole time, but we're so distracted by external experiences, we're not paying attention to what is real in this moment. And I think that's the best thing that we can do um, um, at this precise moment in, in time is ground ourselves into the reality of this moment. And it's interesting earlier in, in, in your story, describe that sensation of just wanting to touch the earth of feeling grounded how many of us are feeling ungrounded at the moment are feeling balanced by circumstances Mm. i think just being able to bring ourselves back into the reality of this moment to increase the sensitivity of the mind to pay attention to what is real in this moment because that is where we have our power And just, just with that in mind, I really want to spend a bit of time talking about the, the challenge that we're putting up. But before we get to that, I'd just like to get a sense, you know, with all the work that you've done, you've written four books and, you know, massive congratulations. I know you've just literally submitted the manuscript to your fourth book. Thank so you. Huge congratulations. Thank I'm you. so excited to read that when it comes out. Um, but I just really want to get a sense from you. What does your life look like now that, you know, following your breakthrough moment and having to, to reevaluate your life, uh, taking the time to really understand how to prioritize your health and happiness. How do you live your life now? What's your daily routine? And how do you ensure that you've got those pause moments, particularly when life gets busy, particularly in a situation like you've experienced recently where you've had to, a, a deadline to get your manuscript out? I'm sure that those challenges of life have been you know, biting at you. How do you now live your life and ensure that you have time to pause? Yeah, it's a really lovely question. Um, generally speaking, I live my life quite simply um, and with plenty of sleep. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, something that I really took away from um, the burnout experience was that if I were to prioritise one thing, it needed to be my sleep. And um, there's a brilliant book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. And um, that if you, you know your listeners haven't read that, then that is such an educational and informative book I'd really recommend it and so I try and live quite simply um, and uh, yeah I have different practices so meditation is one of the practices that um, keeps me grounded Um, I I live out of the city so um, you know there's nature around me because that that's really important Um, 
And I am fascinated in the exploration of dreams. So, um, you know, I protect my sleep because it helps me to analyse and um, attune with the dream. Um, and I find that guidance um, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis is, is really, really key. Um, and then, you know, uh, I love, like I have a daily matcha tea ritual, which is one of my little rituals. So, you know, I talked about rhythms of nature earlier, but what I didn't talk about was rituals. And it's one of the things I love about being in Bali when I visit Bali, and I, I miss being there at the moment. But you know, there are so many rituals that are still part of day-to-day life. I think we've lost touch with in, in the West. And I think, you know, creating your own little rituals are really important. So, you know, whether that's um, lighting a candle or, you know, having um, looking at the sky before you look at a screen in the morning, just finding little rituals that really anchor you on a day-to-day basis, I think so lovely. Um, and then, I think I have a relatively kind of normal life then, you know, I, I go to work, but I, you know, work from home. And that was a, that was um, something I was doing before I burnt out, but I wasn't very much at home. Um, so, you know, I, I tend to work from home and, you know, I have a relationship. I have, you know, the same family issues that people have and, um, you know, dealing with kind of just, you know, um, living really I think living as well as I can um when when things get a little bit out of balance which you know happens um because there are times when you have to push and there are times when you have to pause you know that that that's been my experience it's a bit like the tide you know there's going to be an ebb and flow and sometimes it's going to push forward and sometimes it pulls back um and I think sometimes I don't manage that as well as I could um and you know, I, I was saying to my boyfriend that I just turned my emails off and he was horrified. And he was like, what do you mean you just turned your emails off? And I was like, well, because I need to finish writing the book. And he's like, but what about all these people who email me? And I said, I need to write the book. <laughs> so I think I get, you know, I compartmentalize things and, you know, and get quite um, focused on, okay, this is what I need to do right now. And and he said, well, I would be up to 2am doing my emails. And I said, no, I've done that before. I don't want to do that again. So, you know, there's just this kind of, you know, um, I think discipline around, okay, I know where my limits are. And if I can't manage to do everything, then I'm just going to have to say sorry and kind of deal with the fallout of that and um, and be as gracious as I can and hope that, <laughs> hope that I'm forgiven along the way. Very wise words. Um, I think I'm going to need to go back and reflect on my life a little bit. And this, <laughs> this is the kind of the that interesting point where you can know the theories and you can know all the answers and write books and run seminars on the subject. Mm-hmm but you've still got to remember to apply it to your own life. And that's always the hardest thing to know it theoretically, to know it, you know, intellectually, but it's still, it's only power. You know, that phrase knowledge is power. It's not true. Knowledge is only power if you apply it. Mm. Knowledge is only power if you take action. Otherwise it's just stuff that rattles around in your head. Yes. And I Uh, had gone to therapy two weeks in a row and both weeks I said, I'm tired as my opening sentence and and both times she said, well, then you need to do less. And, you know, and it was quite a simple response. <laughs> if you're tired, you need to do less. And and I so I'm still learning that, you know, nearly a decade on, you know, it will be part of a thread of my story for my life, you know, learning Absolutely. how to find my own balance when the world around me is not balanced. And I think that, that's a real nice segue to 
the, the collaboration, the, the challenge that we put together, the, the, the pause mindfulness 30 day challenge, yeah. uh, as we're, we're calling it, which will be kicking off to celebrate uh, World Mental Health Day. Yeah. What are the kind of questions we should be asking ourselves to build that sense of self-awareness that, that maybe we do need to take action, maybe we do need to, 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 to look at how do we bring our lives into harmony? Yeah, fantastic question. I think um, from a pause point of view, um, I, I would probably start with a simple question that, that is around you know, how, how often do you pause in your current existence? You know, so what does that what does pausing look like for you now? And and I quite like starting from a positive baseline. So what do you already do from a pause point of view that is beneficial and is serving you? Because if we can start with, you know, we've we've got something that we can work with that that's good. Now some people might answer that question with nothing, you know, I've got nothing, I'm not doing it at all. I'm you know, I'm to the wire morning, noon and night, there's no space, my life's jam-packed. And so they might answer that with a zero baseline, but at least um, at least then you know. So I would start the inquiry with, you know, where are you currently with pausing? And we've actually got um, a, a series of questions that people can ask that's based um, on the pause method. And I can um, give you a link for this. And, and it takes about two minutes and you can answer the questions. It looks at different areas of the pause method. And it gives you a personalised pause score that tells you how are you doing in the five different areas of pausing um, and what steps you might be able to take. So we've actually already scoped out all of the questions to people so that they don't have to think about the questions. They can just answer the questions, get themselves a baseline for pausing and then look at, OK, where would I like my intention to be? Um, you know, our ability to act will follow from our intention. So that's that, that's really important because I think it's always important to start with why, um, to, to quote Simon Sinek. Um, so we'll definitely share that if you could uh, communicate the link out, we'll share that on, on all our platforms. And, and for, for, for all of our wonderful listeners, I encourage you to take a few moments to complete that test. And if you are redlining, if you are literally living life on the wire, uh, this could be a good opportunity to invest in um, some time and effort to participate in, in the challenge. It's completely free to attend. It will start with uh, a 90-minute session on the 9th of October um, where we'll give you a bit of background information. And bear in mind that, that you're going to have access to Danielle's fantastic knowledge and experience is that she can draw on from both from her life and the four books she's written, the programs and uh, workshops that we've created as well as Susie from Change Your World's experience of running kind of a daily coaching program. Beyond that, for a 30-day period, there's going to be access to daily content and an opportunity to engage with the broader community that will be going through that process together to be able to support each other through to the point of meaningful long-term behavioral change. There are many psychologists that have done research on this and um, apparently it takes 21 to 28 days for a human being to form a new habit if they're held accountable and supported during that, that formational period, mm -hmm. that, that crucial sort of initial period. And our job is to support you through that process. And at the end of that, we'll then have a follow-up session. We'll go deeper into some of the techniques uh, that, that we've shared and look at then how do you integrate this into your life so it becomes your new normal. Um, so it's a, it's a really fantastic opportunity to get involved in something that, uh, that, that would, would typically cost you uh, a fair amount of money to invest in. Uh, the only investment, the biggest investment you're making is your most valuable resource, your most valuable asset, which is your time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I 
assure you, I promise you that there's going to be a good, massive, should I say, return on the time that you invest. So what else can people expect, Daniel, from, from joining the, the PAUSE uh, Global 30-Day Mindfulness Challenge? What, what, what can they hope to take away at the end of this period? Mm, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the idea from my perspective is that you learn how to embed PAUSE into your everyday life. So you feel more resourced and more equipped and more able to take those micro-PAUSE moments in your day-to-day. So what that does is that it means it releases... Uh, capacity inside of you when you're getting fuller and fuller and fuller and you've got no capacity left inside of you it's really hard to function it's really hard to think it's really hard to breathe it's really hard to kind of manage your emotional state so what we're going to do is kind of release some of those um, pressure valves bit by bit over the 30 30 days but do that in a way where we're equipping you to be able to do it for yourself so what we're encouraging is that you practice pausing for 10 minutes a day um, it's not a big investment from a you know a day-to-day practice point of view but if you can do a minimum of 10 minutes of pausing a day the cumulative effect of that I think people will see significant results so we would hope to see um, that that people's minds start to um, be less intensely busy that people feel more connected, more balanced and more grounded um, and and perhaps it might also have effects on people sleep in a positive way and people's happiness levels and and their experience of feeling more joyful we'll see each person will be different and uh, it will be a journey for sure absolutely i love that it is a journey a journey we will undertake together Mm. we're going to have our own unique experiences along the way but i genuinely feel that there's strength in numbers being able to support each other and we can accomplish far more together than we can independently. So yes, as much as we're exploring our own unique experience, doing that with a sense of community, with a sense of support and collaboration and supporting each other through the journey, I think creates a really powerful experience. So I'm really looking forward to this, both for all the people that attend, but also for myself, because I'm gonna participate in this process as well. And I think no matter where we are on this journey, there's always more that we can learn and more we can experience. And there's always something we can take away from these kind of things. So. Yeah, absolutely. I shall be journeying too in, uh, alongside you and, and everybody who's signing up. So it's really exciting to um, have a group pause in this way. Amazing. So my team will share the the links on how to sign up. So if you're listening today, we'll put all the links on how to register. You will need to register. So there is a a, a maximum capacity of people we can uh, we can have on this first uh, first program, the first cohort, as we call it. But there will be more in the future, I'm sure. Uh, So we'll make sure we share all that information. So please um, do sign up early to avoid disappointment. And we are very much looking forward to welcoming you onto that program. So, Daniel, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. I think we've covered such a broad variety of different things, and I'm, I'm really honoured that you're willing to, to, to be so open and vulnerable with your story. And I think that's really important, particularly for people that are struggling right now, to know that there are other people that have been through these kind of experiences and found a way of navigating it. And, you know, if that's the case, then what can we learn from each other so we don't necessarily need to go to those depths ourselves? So I really, really appreciate you being open and honest and and, and joining us on Life Changing Conversations today. If our audience want to find out more about you and your work, where can we send them? Uh, Pauseglobal.com. Pauseglobal.com. So fantastic. And 
I know you've got a new book coming out. What's the name of that so people can keep a lookout for it? Yeah, so the, we had a new book uh, about six weeks ago that came out called Sleep Meditations. Uh, so that's available to buy now. Uh, Waterstones in the UK, Amazon, uh, maybe beyond that. And the next book is its companion book called Morning Meditations. So it kind of um, completes the cycle. And I'm not sure of the release date yet. I literally submitted yesterday. So, um, yeah, it, it will take a few months. But you heard it here first and watch this space. So, yeah, watch this space. I'm glad that we have officially launched this news to the world. You heard it here first on Life Changing Conversations. Thank you again, Danielle. It's been such a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to, to, to working with you to deliver this 30 day uh, pause global mindfulness challenge. We'll post all the links uh, in the comments section so audience can easily find everything that we've discussed today and you've been listening to life changer conversations with me neil shah you can find out more about me and my work at the stress management society at www.stress.org.uk and thank you again to our wonderful sponsors change your world events founded by the lovely life-changing conversations producer susie bowman do check out their life-changing work at changeyourworld.me if you enjoyed this podcast, please help us to create a ripple effect of positive change by liking, sharing, commenting, joining our 30 days challenge, which will be starting on the 9th of October, as I've already mentioned. So we're looking forward to, 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 to joining you there. Um, and we'll also see you at next month's edition of Life Changing Conversations. See you then. You've been listening to the Life Changing Conversations podcast with Neil Shah. This podcast was produced by Change Your World Events in collaboration with the Stress Management Society. Like, comment and share and keep the conversation going. Hashtag LCC podcast.